We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Murkomsky coming to you from Northfield, Minnesota. This is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming from beautiful South St. Louis, where I serve as pastor at Ascension Lutheran Church. And we, again, we have a special guest with us today and also is going to be our presenter today. Uh, introduce yourself. Pastor Tim Shakel. All right. Uh, but before we get to Tim... Uh, we have more information about this whole vegetable controversy. I, I know it's on everybody's mind. <laughs> what what is it? Is are we in favor of vegetables or not? Uh, I, I thought you stand, the, John. Well, I, I thought the evidence was pretty strong from last last week. You know, the fact that the Hebrew word for vegetable also is the Hebrew word for spit. <laughs> but 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 my wife Lynn, who again, as I said, can't leave well enough alone. Uh, she points out there's an interesting story about vegetables in the book of Daniel. And I'm actually, because uh, Tim's expertise is actually in the Hebrew. Uh, so, Tim, I'm going to let you explain this whole story about Daniel and what it has to do about vegetables, if you don't mind. So Daniel and his friends uh, don't want to defile themselves eating meat you know, sacrificed to gods. And so they uh, asked to have a test for 10 days and see who does better while they eat vegetables and uh, all the Babylonians will uh, eat uh, their food. And then they, after the test, uh, they'll, they'll see who does better. Okay. So, so you get that, Matt, you understand. So the King had a, a, a diet uh, uh, that he gave to his servants, but, but they didn't want to eat it as Tim said, because uh, def defiled them. So they were eating. In fact, let's see, what's the verse say there? Does it, it uses the word vegetables in it. Okay, yes, it says, so the stewards took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables, Daniel and his gang. And guess what happens at the end of the story? Can you guess, Matt? <laughs> I, th I think I know what happens, John, and I don't think you're going to like it. No, no, because when it's all said and done, they're actually stronger and healthier than the people that were eating the fattened ox, as we talked about last. I don't think they were happier, though, Matt. <laughs> they may well, have that's healthier. not in the text, is it, John? Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were healthier, but they weren't happy about it. <laughs> um, so I do want to make one last point, and then we're going to get the show over to Tim here. It is interesting that it is a different word for vegetable that is used there. Tim, again, I'm going to call upon you. I, I know I've got – What can you pronounce that? How would that be pronounced? Zaroim. All right. So before it was Yarak, here it's Zaroim. And I'm thinking – I've got to do some more research, Matt. But I'm thinking Zaroim means vegetables that have a rich, creamy sauce or cheese sauce. <laughs> That's, I, or maybe yeah, I... wrapped in bacon. <laughs> yeah, I think Velveeta, it, it's loosely <laughs> translates as <laughs> yeah. so, so or cheese eam, whiz. <laughs> that, that would have, would it would be something with a sauce or something, doesn't that? The eam on the end of the word, doesn't that have something to do with Yeah, that's, bacon? That, that's, that sounds about right to me, John. <laughs> okay, so we'll do some research on the etymology, of the, but I'm sure that it wasn't just vegetables. It was something plus vegetables. 
Uh, well, eme is, is that is the plural, is it? Is that the plural? Eme is a, makes it plural, right? Yeah. Okay, so there's <laughs> got to be more than just a vegetable there. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness! <laughs> you know, you're working on your doctorate there. You ought to consider this as your thesis, Matt. Well, now you're talking. There might be something there, John. Vegetables, and then the again, problem. there might not be. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, we do have something though that is of substance. Uh, Tim Tim really likes this chapter, Exodus 33, uh, in, in the Bible. And, and Tim, so I'm going to ask you why. What what attracts you to Exodus? I don't know that I've ever even preached on Exodus 33. Well, uh, in my first call in Malacca, I did a sermon series on Moses and the Israelites. And I was reading Exodus carefully, and I thought this was a cool text. And I've actually preached on this text, referenced it a few times. Uh, and what I think is cool about it, uh, well, let me just talk about the text first. So chap chapter 33 comes uh, right after what chapter, John? Uh, uh, oh, man, help me out here. <laughs> 32? Yeah, that's right. In oh, Exodus 32, there's the golden calf scene. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know about that story. Most I know people that story. know about that story. Uh, so right before that, you know, Moses was up on the mountain and uh, things are going well for him. But uh, down below, the Israelites are rebelling. They make the golden calf. God gets angry. And he's, in fact, he's so angry, he's ready to spike them all and start over and, and make Moses Abraham 2.0. And, uh, and just kill them all. It's just uh, Moses and his family. Uh, he'll he'll make them prosperous. And then Moses intercedes, and uh, God relents or he changes his mind. Uh, and uh, and then still though there's still some punishment. Three thousand are killed by the sword. And then the last part of that chapter in thirty two, they there's a plague that uh, God sends, and so they have to suffer that for a little while. And that brings us to chapter thirty three. And chapter 33 is all about uh, God changing his mind again, uh, but instead of uh, doing it uh, in uh, a Hebrew word, it, it's, it's kind of done in, in action. Because God says at first he will not go with the Israelites anymore to the promised land, and then he changes his mind and says, yeah, I'll, I've, I'll go with you still. So that's kind of the gist of the, the text. And that, so... Um, Maybe we could just start reading the text a little bit here. Where, where would you like us to read? Actually, from the beginning, starting at verse 1 all the way to verse 6, if uh, somebody could read that. You want to take that, Matt? Yeah, sure. Uh, 1 to 6. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you. And I will drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. All right, so there it is. Uh, God makes his uh, claim there, and he tells them. So after that plague, 
So they just suffered a plague, right? And that would have been horrible enough. But uh, again, God is still changed his mind and not to destroy them and they can enter the promised land. And that sounds like good news. Uh, and even uh, though God says, you know, I will not be among you, he's still sending an angel ahead of them. So that's not so bad. And yet it's kind of sad news, right? Because it's a rejection of sorts and the people feel that. And so they're mourning, uh, the text says, and they take off their ornaments, although it's not necessarily out of their own free will that God did command them to do that. And so they take off their ornaments, they, they humble themselves. And uh, what's interesting is uh, the reason why that God uh, will not go up uh, uh, with them. What, what, what does it say there in the text, John? Why, why won't uh, God uh, go with them? Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question first. Sure, sure. Because <laughs> this is our show, Tim. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it's an ornament. What's he talking about? They took off their ornaments. Do you know so, what? So like their gold earrings. So okay. when the uh, Israelites left Egypt, yeah. they, they, they gave them everything, right? Ah. Their ox, their cattle, their, okay. their gold things. And so that would be those types of things. And so that that's a nice way of, of humbling them, right? Because that you know, when you got all that gold on, you feel pretty high and mighty, and uh, you know, pompous, and uh, that's kind of what they were in chapter thirty-two, uh, and worshiping the golden calf. And so, taking off their ornaments, you know, would be all the jewelries and stuff that they they would have had. And so, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting they still had ornaments left because chapter thirty-two. That's what they used to build the golden calf, right? Well, well, <laughs> so Egypt, Egypt had a lot of gold. So. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> uh, but man, now see, this has really got my mind thinking because, yeah, so even when they built the golden calf, there was real no, no real sacrifice there, was there, Tim? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. I yeah. mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we got some extra ornaments here. We, we could do that, but they're still keeping the stuff to themselves. I didn't even think of that. That yeah. part of the angle. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, good. You answered my question there. So back to your question, the reason God wouldn't go with them was lest I consume you on the way for you are a stiff-necked people. Right. So if he goes with them, the, the point there is uh, he's going to destroy them on the way. Since they are so stiff-necked, they're, they're rebellious, they're, they're hard, they're, they're stubborn, they won't listen to God. Uh, he, just like he was going to threaten to do the chapter before he says, well, I'm actually going to do it somewhere along the way. So that's why I don't want to go with you. So it's for their own protection. Just to, so that that's, that's why, uh, that's why I want to point out here. That's why he decides not to go with them and so forth. And now let's I, I, go got, ahead. And I got, I'm sorry. I got to ask another question now too, because you, you actually got this thought in my mind, Matt, again, the, the context, the series, the sequence here. So isn't it there at some point that they melted their ornaments is that yet to come, or has that already happened? That happened the chapter before. Okay. So, uh, man, I'm thinking they must have a lot of gold then. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and man, it's so striking, Tim, because so they really were proud of that, weren't they? That Oh, see, I thought when they melted, I thought, well, that must have been, well, okay, I'm sorry. This is well, giving you a whole new context well, yeah, on yeah. the story. Well, yeah. yeah. And then, well, then, too, they're about to build the furnishings of the tabernacle. Correct. So they've oh. got even more gold right. for the so Ark of the Covenant. They were pretty wealthy already there in the in the desert. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no and, doubt. And, and I can begin to see why they weren't all that humble at this point then either, because they probably were thinking, well, we got it made now, right? You got gold. Gold works wherever you go, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
Uh, so maybe we don't even need God. We'll get through this. Wherever we go, they're going to be impressed with all our money. All right. Thanks, Tim. That's right. that's an insight I never had. So where do we go from here, Tim, though? All right. Scroll, so God's not going to go with the him. Computer and, uh, all right. That's, oh, that's, that's, that's right. we got to scroll here. Let's take uh, verses uh, 7 to 11. You want to take that again, Matt? Yeah, sure. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside of the camp, far from the camp. And he called called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at the door of his tent and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, a, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Very good. So just a word of note here. So this tent of meetings, not the tabernacle. In fact, it's outside the camp, and it seems to have been a place of just communication, uh, and specifically noted here is that uh, Moses uh, would go there and he has this special relationship with God, the Lord, Yahweh. And uh, he, there's, you know, you can see the, the cloud and uh, another text that there's that would say that uh, there was a glow underneath the tent. And uh, so, you know, that uh, God was there. So there's some cool things there. Uh, and just it's just kind of in contrast to what we just read, where God says, I'm not going to be with you anymore. Right. Uh, but here, here we have a, an intimate uh, relationship between, especially Moses and God, and even the the Israelites, you know, would uh, uh, be there from time to time. Uh, although it doesn't say if God would be there with them, but so God and Moses had this special face-to-face -face, uh, talking relationship. So, so it's cool with God and Moses, but at this point, it's not cool with Moses, our God, and the people, though. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, and uh, then if you have any comment there, John, otherwise we'll move to verses 12. Matt, anything you want to say about those verses? No, I mean, just what a beautiful description. Um, he would speak to Moses face and face as a man speaks to his friend. And I just, you think of those other special relationships in the Bible, like, um, you know, before the fall, how the Lord would walk in the garden in the cool of the day. <laughs> and Enoch, I think of him too, how he walked with God. Uh, it's kind of neat to, to see those different individuals in Scripture that that you know God had that close relationship with. And it seems like, you know, perhaps a figure of speech here, right? Maybe not literally face-to-face, -face, as we're about to see in, in the, the later latter part of, of this chapter, but but still to have that relationship with, with the Lord. And, boy, for us... Uh, it makes me long for heaven when, you know, at the resurrection, boy, to be able to see our Savior face to face one day, uh, how awesome that's going to be. Well, and, and that also reminds me that when we go to the Lord's Supper, how cool it is that that is his body and his blood. So in a, in a very real sense, we are with him face to face in that context, too. Yeah. So where do you want us to go now? Tim? So verses 12 to 17. Okay. Moses said to the Lord, uh, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. 
Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And then one more verse. Okay. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. All right. So here we have uh, God changing his mind. All right. And uh, so Moses intercedes. First, Moses reminds God of all the things that he promised, that I know you by name, and uh, that uh, he would bring up this people and, and so forth. Uh, and Moses is kind of to the point, he kind of throws it back at God. That's, you know, if you're not going to uh, go with us, I, I don't want to go at all. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and uh, so uh, just kind of that yearning and longing and, uh, uh, and it's a kind of a nice pleading, right. That's, uh, you, you know, in a, it'd be, it would make a great romantic comedy, John, <laughs> <laughs> you know, here, here is uh, this person learning, young, learn, uh, yearning for a uh, relationship with God. And uh, that's kind of the, the plea there. Um, and God... I, I, sorry, man, I do like that thought, Tim, but I don't want to go if you're not going with us. Yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, just another interesting uh, point here uh, in uh, verse uh, 13. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways. Show me your ways. You know, that's how... Uh, Moses knows uh, God better, uh, is, uh, you know, knowing uh, him in his ways, knowing what God has done, knowing the, the teachings of, of God. And, uh, of course, uh, God is always willing to, to show us his ways and uh, uh, offer his spirit. Uh, and that way uh, we would be engaged in his word and engaged with him. And then God changes his mind, um, and he decides uh, to go with Moses and, and Israel, and he promises rest. Uh, the, the word there is uh, nuach, which is Noah. So you have yep. the Noah's name there, okay? Uh -huh. I will give you rest. Um, and uh, we have God's good character, his compassion, his goodness. He's uh, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, according to the next uh, chapter in, in Exodus 34. And... Uh, the people are distinct because God is with them. And so God reaffirms for a second time that uh, Moses has favor with him in chapter, I mean, chapter, but verse 17 saying, uh, the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do for you, for you have found favor in my sight. Any comments there before we nope, move to the no, rest of the chapter? No. Okay. Well, I was just, just going to yeah, go yeah, verse 16, just real quick. Just, uh, you know, is it you're not going and you're going with us that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people in the face of the earth. Yeah, it seems like there's sort of a concern for what are the other nations going to say about this, Lord? <laughs> so what would the Egyptians say? What are the other nations going to say if they see you, you know, deliver us out of Egypt and then just abandon us? There seems to be a concern for for what others will think. Uh, I, I think that's interesting and, and perhaps a concern even for the, 
the nations that they would that they would know Yahweh and that perhaps Israel would make Yahweh known uh, to others. Uh, but I think that's kind of interesting. That's part of Moses' appeal there. Right. And I'll just uh, add on to that. Uh, it echoes what he said in chapter 32, because Moses makes that very plead. This that, uh, you know, what will all the nations think that you let all these people out uh, to yeah. die? Uh, in fact, Moses makes that same uh, plead in, in Numbers chapter 14, because, uh, again, God is ready to smite all the nation and uh, go uh, Abraham 2.0. And Moses pleads that same same thing, and and uh, God changes his mind there as well. But well, let's go ahead and finish off the chapter, uh, verses 18 to 23. All right. Uh, Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Very good. And so what's interesting about this part of the text to me is, so God's already given uh, Moses reassurance and the Israelites reassurance that yeah, I changed my mind. Uh, I said I wasn't going to go, but you know what? You're, uh, thanks for the, the, the plea and, and your, your humbleness. I will go with you. But now Moses kind of asked for, you know, kind of reassurance. Oh, yeah. Why not uh, and, so, yeah. and so that's why. And this is kind of a famous uh, part of the Bible. You know, it's, it's in the Ten Commandment movie even, huh? uh, you know, where God passes in front and Moses sees God's backside. Um, and so, but the reason why is that he needs that reassurance that uh, God is still going to be with them. And this is that. And uh, God uh, still showing his great concern uh, for Moses in, in, uh, in this particular part, because, you know, can't see God face to face or, is, you know, he, he'll, he'll die. Uh, but uh, he can see uh, his backside. And uh, God even says that he will cover, cover him in, in, until it's the appropriate time. Uh, and uh, just... Uh, a note here uh, about um, God being gracious. That gracious word uh, is Hanan, and it is uh, also, also referenced in number six in the Aaronic uh, benediction. You know, may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Uh, so that is uh, there in verse 19. And then uh, right before that, you know, God will show goodness. Uh, that's that word is tov, and it, is, it echoes, uh, you know, God making things good in Genesis chapter one, and then God shows compassion, which is the word raham, and uh, it means mercy. Uh, it's used in uh, Lamentations, where uh, it is said God's compassions or God's mercies are new every morning, and that they never fail. Um, so here we have God's compassion, His mercy. Uh, exemplified at the end of the chapter, God changing his mind and showering them with uh, forgiveness and mercy after they humbled themselves and uh, and repented. Any John? Um, and, and the only thought I would add to that is, is uh, I mean, we constantly talk about God changing his mind, but I'm thinking, no, God always felt this way about the Israelites. The question was whether they would want that love and mercy or not. And if they didn't, well, you know, you can't love somebody 
who doesn't want to be loved. That that's that's the sad thing. Matt, do you have any final comments? Real yeah, quick just here? if our uh, listeners want to study on this further, I think the best article I've read about. Uh, God changing his mind, because that sounds weird. There's an excursus, an article in the Jonah commentary uh, by Reed Lessing from the Concordia commentary series. It's called When Yahweh Changes a Prior Verdict. And just it really kind of unpacks different times in the Bible where God uh, does change his mind and other times where he doesn't change his mind. So, uh, you know, to build off what Tim's been sharing with us, that's kind of an uh, if you want to dig a little deeper. And Tim and I are both uh, students of uh, Reed Lessing, and we would verify anything he writes is always worth reading. Top uh, shelf. So thank you, Tim. Thank you for joining us here. And, and Matt, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, we hope you've all enjoyed this episode of Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the, the Basics. basics.